0: Numbers chapter 14. Moses along with Aaron who is the high priest and along with the two good spies Joshua and Caleb they're there they're trying to warn the congregation of Israel do not be afraid of the people of Canaan do not allow your fears To cause rebellion in your hearts against the Lord. The congregation receives this warning by picking up rocks, wanting to stone Moses, Aaron, Joshua, and Caleb. And you wonder, they can't handle positive good news. And between verses 10 and 11 of chapter 14, the Lord himself breaks up this violent mob... By simply appearing at the tabernacle of meeting in the form of a cloud, a symbol of his glory. So let's look at Numbers 14:11 through 19. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people reject me? And how long will they not believe me with all the signs which I have performed among them? I will strike them with pestilence. And disinherit them. I will make of you, speaking to Moses, a nation greater and mightier than they. And Moses said to the Lord, then the Egyptians will hear it. For by your might you brought these people up from among them. And they will tell it to the inhabitants of the land. They have heard that you, Lord, are among these people. That you, Lord, are seen face to face. And your cloud stands above them. And you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Now, if you kill these people as one man, then the nations which have heard of your fame will speak, saying, Because the Lord was not able to bring this people to the land which he swore to give them, therefore he killed them in the wilderness. And now I pray that the power of the Lord be great, just as you have spoken, saying, The Lord is long-suffering and abundant in mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression. But he by no means clears the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. Pardon the iniquity of this people, I pray, according to the greatness of your mercy. Just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt even till now. In verse 11, it almost seems like an unfair question by God to Moses. How long, Moses, will these people not believe in me? God speaking, I have performed signs and miracles before this people many times over. More than ten different miracles, Moses. And God becomes angry with Israel. And God will now give Moses an exit program. Verse 12, I will strike this people with pestilence and disinherit them. Then of you, Moses, I will start all over and make of you the great, uh, great nation mightier than these. And if I was Moses, I would seriously consider this. (laughs) But Moses The man of God that he is, he's concerned for God's reputation. And he says, wait a second, God. The Egyptians are going to hear about this. These are your people, God. And they have heard you speak to them. And these people know you like no other people on earth. Your glory, you come down in a cloud of glory by day, and at night it's a pillar of fire. You lead and guide these people, God. The surrounding nations are going to say, you brought them out of Egypt, but you're not able to bring them into the land that you promised them. In all the surrounding nations, they will say it was easier for you to kill them than to deliver them. <laughs> Moses is interceding for the very lives of the people of Israel, which they may or may not even know about. Moses, the intercessor, he's a great leader, the greatest leader of Israel, and he's standing in the gap for the people. Moses what he is doing is very pleasing to God that he would stand in the gap for the people. When as believers, when you and I are willing to stand to intercede for the foolish, for the ignorant, even for the unbelieving, we demonstrate the love of God. Ezekiel 22 uh, I'll read a few verses for you there, but God is looking for a leader in Israel, a leader that will show compassion for the people. Let me read you Ezekiel 22:29 through 31. Then the people of, la- of the land have used oppression, committed robbery, mistreated the poor, the needy, and they have wrongfully oppressed the stranger. So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Therefore I have poured out my indignation on them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. I have recompensed their deeds on their own heads, says the Lord God. The religious leaders at the time, Ezekiel writes this, are using oppression. They're using robbery against the poor, the needy, and a stranger in the land is treated very rudely and treated wrongly. God is looking. He's searching for a man to stand in the gap for the people of that land. God wants a man to stand in the gap where he can show mercy, but he doesn't find a man. God is looking for someone to repent, to make uh, prayers of intercession, restitution, for the sinful behavior of the people. But no one is found. In the book of Job... And Job being a contemporary of Abraham, Job one of the really older books of the Bible, we read that Job was a very rich man. He was blameless and upright before God. And let me read you uh, two verses in Job chapter 1. And Job's son would go and feast in their houses and eat each on his appointed day, and would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. So it was, when the days of feasting had run their course, that Job would send and sanctify them, and he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did Regularly sacrifice for them. Job had concerns that his sons perhaps had sinned. So every day Job would offer a burnt offering or a sacrifice for the sins of his sons. We don't know how that works exactly, for we know that each and every person is responsible for their own sins. But Job would sacrifice for his sons, and he would do it regularly. Now, again, we don't know how this works in God's economy, but perhaps Job's sacrifice would move the hearts of his sons towards repentance. It sure didn't hurt anything. So when we repent for others, it doesn't, in my humble opinion, give them remission of their sins. But maybe God uses it to move on their own heart to repent. Job is not the only man who interceded for his family or for his people. Daniel chapter 9. Daniel, he's reading the writings of Jeremiah the prophet. He understands that the 70-year dispersion of Israel to Babylon, he understands that that time is complete. So Daniel begins to pray and make supplications to God on behalf of his people. Listen to just part of Daniel's prayer. In, in Daniel 9... Uh, I'll read verse 4 through 11. And, And just listen to Daniel's heart as he prays. And I prayed to the Lord my God and made a confession and said, O Lord, great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant and mercy with those who love him and with those who keep his commandments, we have sinned and committed iniquity. We have done wickedly and rebelled even by departing from your precepts and your judgments. Neither have we heeded your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings and to our princes, to our fathers and to all the people of the land. O Lord, righteousness belongs to you, but to us, shame of face, as it is this day to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel, those near and those far off, in all countries to which you have driven them because of the unfaithfulness which they have committed against you. O Lord, to us belongs shame of face, to our kings, our princes, our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God belongs mercy and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against him. We have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws which he set before us by his servants the prophet. Yes, all of Israel has transgressed your laws and has departed so as they do not obey your voice. Therefore the curse and the oath written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, has been poured out on us because we have sinned against him. Daniel. He is fasting. He has put on sackcloth. He has spread ashes on himself, and he is repenting and declaring to God how all of Israel has sinned. Let me give you two words at the closing of Daniel's prayer here, verses 18 and 19. Oh, my God, incline your ear and hear open your eyes and see our desolations and the city which is called by your name for we are not for we do not present our supplications before you because of our righteous deeds but because of your great mercies o lord hear o lord forgive o lord listen and act do not delay for your own sake my god for your city and your people are called by your name. Daniel calls upon the greatness of God. These men of God who are close to God, they understand the principle of forgiveness. And for these men, God's greatness is expressed in his mercies. God's greatness is expressed in his mercies. That's not how we look upon greatness necessarily. Back to Numbers 14, verses 17 through 19. And Moses says, And now I pray, let the power of my Lord be great, just as you have spoken, saying, The Lord is long-suffering and abundant in mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, but he by no means clears the guilty, visiting the iniquities of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. Pardon the iniquities of this people, I pray, according to the greatness of your mercy, just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt even until now. Moses, Job, Daniel, and other devout men of God have have discovered the greatness of God lies in his mercy. God's greatness is long-suffering to pardon in mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgressions. The gentleness of God, the mercy of God, of God is the greatness of God, and we do not always see greatness in gentleness and mercy. America, as a people, we're consumed in hero worship. We worship athletes. We worship movie stars. Rock stars have their own status. And it shows the difference of what men of God considered great and what we as a society consider great. Cassius Clay, remember Cassius Clay? That's before he became Muhammad Ali. <laughs> was extremely annoying to me. And he would tell everybody how great he was as a boxer, and how pretty he was. Which caused a lot of boxing fans to pull for him to get beaten. (laughs) Not only did we want to see him lose a boxing match, we wanted him to get beat up and knocked out. I did. (laughs) And Muhammad Ali was anything but gracious. But that's one athlete. Movie stars, rock stars, are constantly quoted on their comments concerning world problems. They will tell us how to feed the hungry. How to help some distressed group in their fight for their rights. By the way, I'm personally offended by some actors when I consider that they make their living pretending to be something they aren't. Oh yeah, I can respect that. (laughs) These actors will tell the public the solution to the world's problems. And they live in their own little fantasy world. A few weeks back, we read how Moses was the most humble man on the face of the earth. Moses, who stood before the mightiest kings of the earth, who stood before Pharaoh himself, and and Moses pronounced ten plagues upon Egypt, even the plague of death upon the firstborn throughout all of Egypt. Moses He saw the Red Sea part right before him when he was trapped by the Egyptian army. Moses had God appear to him on Mount Horeb, giving Moses the Ten Commandments that God himself had written. Moses gathered manna in the wilderness, just like all the children of Israel. Moses drank fresh water from the rock in the desert and Moses had many miracles performed right by his own hand before God yet Moses is awestruck by the long suffering of God amazed by the mercies and forgivenesses of God Moses, without a doubt, Israel's greatest leader, looks upon God's gentle side, his merciful side, as the greatness of God. A sure sign of maturity within a believer is what we appreciate about our God. It's difficult for a lot of Christians to read of Jesus' crucifixion. It's difficult for me to read through that sometimes. But our Lord was willing to suffer for us not only pain and humiliation, but he had to endure the challenge of mortal men who questioned his deity. So turn with me to Luke 23. We're going to take a brief look at Jesus on the cross and his words. Luke 23, and we'll look at verses 33 through 37. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, Save yourself. We have our Lord being crucified with common criminals. One on the left and one on the right. And while he hangs on the cross, he proclaims, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. I want to argue with that verse. I want to say, Jesus, they know exactly what they're doing. And it's mainly because I do not comprehend the greatness of Jesus. Jesus willing to forgive those who are killing him. Jesus also forgiving the religious leaders who are sneering at him. Who shout, He saved others, save yourself. And in my flesh, I want Jesus just for a moment to come off of that cross, put everybody in their right place, show them that He is God, but then I want Him to get back on the cross, for there lies my forgiveness. But that wouldn't be Jesus if he came off the cross, would it? That wouldn't be our Lord. Rather, Jesus chooses to forgive. Moses, knowing our Lord and our God, and Moses knew God in a face-to-face way, in a friendship-type way, sees the greatness of his Lord, and it's in forgiveness. Not in his mighty miracles. And Moses witnessed at least 10 outstanding miracles. So this morning, let's steal a a page from Moses' book. Let's appreciate our God's great mercy. And how do we appreciate his mercies? By repenting by repenting to repent is simply to receive the forgiveness that God offers us and this morning we're going to have people that will be in the prayer area if you need to repent over any issue they'll be happy to pray with you and repent with you just like Daniel repented for the nation of Israel So I say to anyone, experience the greatness of our Lord this morning in repentance. Repentance is a beautiful thing that we are allowed to do as people, as his people. We don't have to continue in the way of sin. We get to turn from it. Amen. Amen. Let me get you to stand close in prayer. Father God, I pray that you would adjust our thinking by your spirit. Lord, too many times we look for you to do mighty miracles when we have right before us the miracle of forgiveness. Lord, you chose to be forgiving. You chose to show mercy to us. And for that, we thank you, Lord. Thank you for your long-suffering in our lives. Lord, let us not take your forgiveness, your mercies for granted. Lord, let us be quick to repent, but let us be quick to change also. For you desire that we change and live a life of obedience towards you. So help us to do that, Lord. But let us be like Job and Daniel and Moses. Let us appreciate the fact that we do have forgiveness. Great forgiveness. And we thank you for it. And we thank you, Jesus, for going to the cross and staying on that cross and not coming off And those that question your authority, thank you for remaining true to yourself, Lord. We thank you and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.